Hello, fabulous listeners. Thanks for tuning in to Whole Bodies Outside. This is your host, Dr. Brian Peterson. This episode's guest is Clara Pritchett, whom is the Operations Director for the Body Empowerment Project, which aims to decrease eating disorder risk in adolescents and equip them with the skills to live peacefully and healthfully in their bodies and to transform the way youth define self-worth. For more information, go to www.bodyempowerment.net. Clara, it's a pleasure to have you on Old Bodies Outside. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so where are you connecting in from? Uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, born and raised. Okay, and is that where the Body Empowerment Project is based out of? Yes, definitely. It was founded here, based out of here, but we have expanded to some other places as well as my um, supervisors and our founders are now in Boston and uh, Palo Alto. Oh, wow. So you're getting both coasts. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. But we're just, Philly will still remain our home. Okay, that's that's great. That's great. So why don't we kind of dive in and hear a little bit more about the Body, Body Empowerment Project. And let's start off with just hearing about what's the purpose of the Body Empowerment Project. I know I mentioned a little bit in the introduction, but there's no way I know as much as you do about the Body Empowerment Project. Yeah, so you mentioned our mission and our vision. Our mission is give students the skills to peacefully and healthfully in their bodies. And a key part of that is through near-peer interaction. So the biggest part of Body Empowerment Project is our middle and high school program. Um, Right now we're in 13 Philadelphia public schools and we go in for 10 weeks, talk all about body image, self-esteem, self-love with the end goal of reducing eating disorder risk in Philly youth in a population that has little access to treatment, um, is often underinsured and undertreated um, for an issue that is really prevalent and um, really important even in all different aspects of life. Um, We also, yes, we're an eating disorder prevention program, but we're also a mental health intervention. We're also a mentorship program. We like giving students the ability to talk to people close to their age who they might not or might be more willing to talk to than maybe an adult in their life. So we have college students in the area who are trained as facilitators go in and run the program in their schools and over those 10 weeks can build really beautiful relationships with students as well. Yeah, well, those mentoring and near peer uh, interactions sound very strong and then also and effective. And also, I love that you all are helping with expand uh, the equity of access, you know, which actually there, you know, there's a lot of inequity out there. And so I think that's something that's a really powerful mission. No, and we talk a lot too of like, I was not so long in the past a Philadelphia public school student. And both my supervisors, we always talk about our lived experience with eating disorders or body image issues. And we really wanted to create something that we wanted in high school. And my supervisor, Christina, all the time says, like, she believes this program would have prevented her eating disorder. And I think this program would have been really effective in my Philadelphia public school. And so we kind of bring all of our experiences together um, to create this program. Well, what a powerful way to guide the program, you know, having those lived experiences Um, And really, that's, you know, a great way to lead it with empathy, too. Definitely. Yeah. So let's hear some more about, you know, we just heard about the purpose of the Body Empowerment Project. But 
why is this so important to do? Mm-hmm. So, as I said, eating disorders are really prevalent, and I think much more prevalent than people think. Um, just like pulling actual, just like the stats, like 28.8 million Americans will develop an eating disorder in their lifetime. And most of those people are between the ages of 12 and 25. Eating disorders are also the most fatal mental illness um, among adolescents and the second most fatal mental illness in the U.S. for um, all people, only second to opioid use. Um, And people die every 52 minutes from complications of eating disorder. Eating disorders are super prevalent. And I think we also have this idea that eating disorders affect one type of person, usually that will be saying like, oh, this person has an eating disorder. It's like you think of somebody who is thin, you think of someone who is white, someone who is cisgender, someone who is affluent. But eating disorders affect people of marginalized populations way more than we think. Black teenagers are 50% more likely to exhibit bulimic behavior than their white counterparts. And binge eating disorder is more common among all racially marginalized identities um, compared to their white counterparts. There's also increasing and significant research of um, eating disorder prevalence in trans communities, in um, well, trans and gender nonconforming communities, as well as LGBT plus communities. And so we need to expand what our definition of eating disorders, as well as expand our treatment options and treatment prevalence of eating disorders is outpacing treatment so significantly. But eating disorders are preventable illnesses and we should be treating them through a preventative lens. And so that's our goal is to tackle this huge issue before it has to get too expensive treatment that is often not covered by insurance, especially in our population that, again, is underinsured. So how do we um, re-examine the way we tackle this issue from a preventative lens? Yeah, that's fantastic. And I loved how you kind of broke it down into some different um, demographics and whatnot. And also mm-hmm. that, you know, eating disorders are so prevalent and the way that it's perceived societally is this stigma. Like it's almost like we don't talk about it when we shun it to the side. I think it's really important for, you know, going back to the mentorships that you talked about and interactions with near peer interactions. That's a really healthy approach. No, definitely. No. And we often like get people who are like, like us who run body of power project, who have their own lived experience and want to create a world that, does not have to go through the same things that they did. Yeah, totally, totally. So how many um, adolescents have you worked with while you've been at the Body Empowerment Project? Well, in the last two years of our um, official uh, programming, it's been just about 500. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, thank you. And and so Uh, what are some... Yeah, go for it. No, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, we also have like our college program and our college facilitators, which I also kind of count in that, which has been about 50. Nice, nice, nice. So, okay, you got about, you know, you've had a lot of impact out there already in two years. And so do you mind kind of just sharing some anonymous success stories? Yeah. So I have a lot of little moments with students that I love of 
we have a lesson all about diet culture. And I was at a school because um, I visit them a lot, even though I'm not facilitating the semester, even though I have in the past. Um, and I was at a school visiting and all the students came in and they were so excited to tell their facilitators about the diet ads that they've been noticing on the highway. And I was like, they're ready. Like they know, they know what they're going to see. They know that it's messing with their head and they know that they're going to come back and tell their facilitators about it and be like, I can't believe that. Like, that's just like on a, like, well, we're driving to school that I have to see that. And I was like, I love, I loved it. It was one of my favorite moments this semester. Um, but there's definitely some students who I like have longer and like, I don't know how to describe it, but they, we had our end of year event um, in April and we bring all of our students together in one place from all of our different schools as well as our school contacts and our like org contacts and some treatment centers in the area. And the best part of the event is always listening to students speak. And so I had some students and I knew I wanted to speak. And then I also asked if any students wanted to speak and I asked my facilitators if any of them would be interested in speaking. And there was one student who I facilitated with first semester and came back second semester. And I went to the school that week and I was like, um, hey, we really want you to speak. And they were like, oh, I don't know about that. And I was like, no, like what you have to say is so important. We really want to hear you. It was also the student's birthday the day that we did it. And I was like, oh, come on. It's like, you have to do it. You have to do it. And every student who spoke was so nervous, but he was really, really nervous. And he got up on that stage and I was so proud of him. Um, and he just spoke so eloquently about his relationship with his body and what it meant to him to have people in his school who were able to give him space to talk about these issues. And like, I've had that same student, other students tell me like, this is the only place that they felt comfortable like being trans or talking about being trans. And I've had people who are willing to kind of tell facilitators things that they maybe weren't able to tell other adults. And we were able to get them like help in their school. Um, I also love seeing students who get to like take their work that they do in the program and bring it to the broader world. So like I've had students who wrote poems in workshop and I can share some of those with you as well. Um, and one of them even read it at our event. We even had a student who did the program last year and um, Nick News was doing a program about body positivity and asked us if we had any students who would be um, interested in speaking. And one of our students said yes. And so he got featured on national television. Like our students are everywhere and they're, they're just so smart. And I wish I had known the things that they know now uh, when I was in high school, but I love getting to watch them like learn and grow. Yeah, and the fact that they're willing to share these really strong and powerful testimonials, I think speaks really highly of the program. Mm -hmm. No, and it's it's always, we always say like, we have the research to back our work. Like we have, we have all the numbers, but none of it matters without our students. And 
getting to hear them speak is like I read most of their speeches before they spoke uh, because they like asked for my help or I offered it um, and I usually like to see what they write and it didn't matter they got up there and I was bawling like I could not I could not listen to them and not get emotional yeah well it sounds like you know maybe you all need to also incorporate a qualitative aspect of the study that really you know analyzes these testimonials because and I was going to ask, uh, and I might as well jump into it, though, you know, I think there's been some quantitative research conducted on the effectiveness of your program. But my gosh, that qualitative aspect is mm -hmm. really, really strong. But why don't we hear about, you know, this is one thing that I think some listeners would love to hear some more about is how do we know that your program is effective? Has research been conducted that has validated the effectiveness of your program? Yes, yeah, so we engaged in an extensive research study with the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, as well as with the University of Pennsylvania to validate the efficacy of our work. We thought that was really, really important to have numbers to back what we were doing. And so over three semesters, we did um, eating disorder questionnaire surveys, as well as food insecurity surveys before and after our programming. And our program was shown to statistically significantly decrease eating disorder risk among our students, as well as increase body appreciation, um, which I can also share with you those like raw numbers as well, if you're interested. <laughs> no, I, 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 no, that's fantastic what you've already shared. And I love that, you know, you had um, statistically significant findings too. That's really powerful. Um, yeah. And so, we you know know that your program is effective it's research backed so let's hear some more about what does the curriculum look like as part of the body empowerment project program so our curriculum is always changing always growing um and our curriculum started based on the curriculum of the body positive which is a lovely organization as well um and we spent last summer updating um their curriculum with them as well. And so our curriculum now kind of, it starts a little bit broad. We talk about what is health. We talk about um, redefining health as well as we spend some time talking about anti-fat discrimination and bias. Um, we talk about diet culture and what is diet culture as well as like intuitive eating and joyful movement. Then we move into kind of more personal things for our students. So we have um, a lesson about body messages and messages you received about your body, um, as well as the body stories messages. And again, a, all of this is um, co-owned and co-authored by The Body Positive. Um, and then we move into working with your critical voice and kind of understanding um, like that sometimes the things that you say to yourself are not true. And sometimes the things that others say to you are not true as well. It's like trying not to miss any of them, but I know I will. Um, we then move into kind of what is beauty and redefining beauty and who benefits from beauty. Um, and then we move into a kind of building community aspect. So we talk about building community through social media. What do you want social media to look like? I remember I went to an elementary school and I was like, you all are not on social media, right? And all of the third, fourth and fifth graders are like, no, we are all on TikTok. And I was like, cool. Um, so we're trying to figure out how to, how to get them to my, mindfully and critically uh, receive and absorb content. And then we talk about building community through activism, which is one of the new lessons that um, I actually authored this past summer um, with the help of uh, my partner at The Body Positive. And it was always, I always love getting to hear it because I got to hear like what the students find important. 
and I thought that was it was really and like we always make a plan of like well what's like one thing you can do in the next year to like advance your cause and I've had students talk about drug addiction I've had students talk about uh, mass incarceration and like it's really interesting to see the things that they're passionate about yeah yeah well I'm glad that you brought up by positive I don't know if you're aware of this but I had Elizabeth mm -hmm. Scott on the show for episode 33 and it was yes. a fantastic episode and I learned a lot about uh, managing the inner critical voice from her. So it was a great episode. Uh, oh, good. Yeah, no, it really was. So listeners out there, um, if you are enjoying this episode, please check out episode number 33 and connect the two up. Um, and I love that you talked about social media. So I, I have um, an 11-year-old son and a 12-year-old daughter. And um, yes, they are on social media. Yes, we have regulations. Yes, they can only be on for so long. And there's mm -hmm. certain... Um, sites they can use or certain sites they cannot use. But my outlook as a parent is that social media is here to stay. It's not going yeah. away. And so if it's here to stay, I think it's really important to develop healthy navigation of social media. So I'm so glad that your curriculum touches exactly. on that. Um, no. and then yeah, go for it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And like, we're definitely in the same realm. But we also talk a lot about too, like, there is a community building aspect to social media that I don't think we can ignore. And I think it can be really beneficial in some ways, as long as our students kind of have the skills and the tools to understand what they're consuming and why it's in front of them. And I think that's what we teach a lot more. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is all, I think, wrapped up in terms of, you know, I had that I did the episode with Elizabeth Scott, but also just having two adolescents in my life. Um, this is mm -hmm. all like what led me to invite you on to Old Bodies Outside. Like there's a lot that I'm trying to learn as a parent too. Mm -hmm. um, and so this is all stuff that helps me hopefully navigate parenthood a little bit more effectively too. <laughs> no, I talk, I have a lot of conversations with parents as well as like our teachers at schools and our school contacts that I often think that like they sometimes need it more than yeah. the students themselves. Um, because I, I think especially I think it's getting better, but I think the prevalence of just being like able to talk about diets and social space and like talk about your body and think it's like, oh, it's just about me. I'm not talking about anybody else. And I'm like, no, like you understand that like when your mom said something about her body that like it affected you and it affects your students. Like I've had teachers walk in, like we'll be having pizza and like, they'll be like, oh, no, like, I'm on my diet. I'm trying to be good. And I'm like, I cannot have you in this room right now. <laughs> um, because we're trying to, like, teach our students that, like, all foods fit and that, like, dieting is not super effective and that they can, like, have. And so when I have teachers come in and do that stuff, I'm always like, you should stay. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think it, you, you make a really, really valid point. I think that, um, you know, there's a lot of professionals out there, parents and whatnot, they may not realize the signals that they sent out through these casual, what they perceive as a casual phrase or casual yeah. statement. And it, it signals and it can really be ingested and then practiced and it may have negative consequences. And it's something to be really aware of. No, definitely. Yeah. So, you know, why don't we kind of talk about this uh, within the, the scope of the body empowerment project. So we've talked a lot about um, your work with adolescents, but what about outside of adolescents? I mean, I, I really do think that there's some parents and some adults and some professionals that could really benefit from your program. And so what other types of professional trainings do you offer? 
So we do offer trainings for school, uh, like faculty and staff, um, as well as just like anybody who's really interested or wants it. We are a part of the professional development day for the school nurses in the Philly school district. So we teach them all about like different types of eating disorders and like signs of eating disorders and like how to kind of create a more body positive um, and body inclusive ecosystem in their school. So things like that, like I mentioned, like the little things you say, like really do impact your students um, or like things that like if you have to weigh your students, like let them step on the scale backwards or things like that, um, as well as just talk about like what is an eating disorder? I think I've learned a lot of that. There's just not a lot of information out there about different types of eating disorders. I think people have a general idea of like what anorexia and bulimia is. I don't think they fully understand it. But I also talk about like binge eating disorder. I talk about ARFID and like what different signals and signs that are specific to adolescents and specific to schools. Um, my supervisor and I, who's now at Stanford Medical School, we also did a workshop with the medical students about anti-fat bias in um, the medical field. And so we offer a wide variety of uh, PDs, but it's we definitely are here if anybody's interested. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I think like you did touch on something that is there's a bit of a transformation starting in the medical world in which there's more of a weight neutral approach going on mm -hmm. versus, you know, focusing on archaic and ineffective measures such as BMI. Yeah, no, definitely. And it's definitely needed. I don't think it's there yet. Uh, but I am happy yeah. that there are more medical providers and more people who are pushing and understanding that like they have a right to not get weighed at the doctor and like they can stand up for themselves and demand certain um, tests or um, at least like write down on their form like they were denied it. And I think that's increasingly important. I think it's also where there have been big successes with uh, especially recently with um, laws passed to include weight and size and physical characteristic into anti-discrimination law. And I think it's really like all of these things are really important into creating a world where like all bodies fit and like all bodies are good. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that fits really strongly with uh, this podcast. I love that statement that you made there. Um, okay. So the body empowerment project has done a lot. It's been around for two years. You're, you've got all kinds of programs, uh, a variety of programs hitting different levels of people uh, different parts of their life. Um, so what is on the horizon for the body, body empowerment project? What's next? Where are you guys, scale, where are y'all scaling up to? So this is always an ongoing conversation weekly among the three of us who, uh, are our leadership team, as well as our board. Uh, right now our big push is to expand to some private schools in the area to get a consistent stream of revenue to keep expanding our public school programming. Um, we're continuing to expand programming to universities. So uh, Christina, who's in Palo Alto again, is going is planning on um, going into some schools there. Amanda, who is in Boston, is going to create a, is creating a college program up there. I think we're uh, we're we're the three of us in our hearts are ready to expand nationally. We're like, we got to do it. We want to do it. Um, but it's, it's a lot of legwork. It's a lot of people and it's a lot of money. 
Um, and so I think we have our plans to like, what is it going to look like to, we are incorporated in New Jersey, what it's going to look like to expand to New Jersey, what it's going to look like to expand a little bit outside of Philadelphia. Um, but we're going to, we also take a lot of value into the work that we're doing at our schools and don't want to rush into expanding it at at the expense of the quality of our program at the expense to the schools that we work with now so we really are mindfully thinking about like what what are our next steps what do we need for our next steps and so hopefully the biggest next step is another hire um, to start working on those things as well yeah i I really love how you explain that there so that you know no one is left behind they're still you know, receiving all the quality that your program has to offer. Um, in terms of expanding and scaling up, what types of funding does do you all you know try to go after? Is it are there, is it grants? Are you looking for you know different types of investors? Mm-hmm. So we are primarily grant funded. We are also funded through like mass marketing campaigns. Um, but we are primarily grant funded. We find it really important that our public school programming is completely free to all the schools who need it. Um, And so we have um, some just like lovely organizations and foundations that have decided to uh, fund our work. Uh, But we always, that's a big, big part of running a small nonprofit is continuing, continually writing grants, continually searching for funding. And we, um, always are. So if anybody wants to donate, you're welcome to do that as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, you know, being a nonprofit, it's, it's quite the hustle. You know, it really is like there's, mm-hmm. you're offering the programs, you're helping people out, but to keep the programs going and whatnot, um, you know, we live in a capitalistic society and it's, it's tough to keep up sometimes as a nonprofit. So those grants are so, so important. Um, but just writing grants is a really hard job in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have some like lovely people who have been able to help us um, and we've been outsourcing some more of that help. These are the, these are the times that I wish you could meet my supervisors because they are like, they are the epitome of the grind. Like they're both full-time med students and they pump out grants like nobody's business. Wow. wow. Yeah. That's amazing. They are tireless. That is oh. amazing. <laughs> Wow. I said in my speech on our end of year event, I was like, I bet you all who know them can imagine they're not easy to work for, but I like would not want it any other way. Yeah. Well, I think that demonstrates their passion for what they're doing. You know, they yeah. are passionate, they're dedicated, they're disciplined, they're fully committed. Mm-hmm. That's, that's fantastic people to work with. Oh yeah. No, it's lovely. And we all like, when I, when they were searching for somebody to hire, we like, we clicked personally before we even thought like I even applied for the job and we were like, Oh, this is like, this is going to fit. And the three of us, like we want to push this forward to expand to more students. We just also want to like be able to do it in our own backyard first. Of course. Of course. I like that a lot. I like that. Well, Claire, it's been a wonderful conversation. I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to come on to old bodies outside to talk about, the Body Empowerment Project. You all are doing wonderful, wonderful things for this world. So thank you very much. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Okay, I'm going to throw on the outro music and we'll call it an episode.